Hello once again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Drunk Friend Podcast. We're, we're in 1996. I'm here with Alex, as always. Alex, say, tell everyone hi. Hi, he says yo. Yo. I'm, I'm obviously Travis, and we brought another guest on this time around. We, we have to have a guest when we're talking 90s stuff, and this time <laughs> we have a very special guest for a very special year from a very special topic. We got wrestling with gaming. We got Yahel on. Yahel, thanks for coming and hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for inviting me, and uh, I'm glad we're doing this here. It was fun to like kind of go back, and obviously I didn't watch the entire year of '96, as you can imagine. But <laughs> what you didn't? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something about the way time works uh, and not having enough of it. But uh, I, I, I did go back and like watch a few things here and there. So yeah, it's it, I'm excited to like talk about this stuff because this is when like I was like really, really into uh, getting into wrestling. Yeah, same. Um, but first. We do want to talk about uh, your YouTube channel a little bit. Um, that's all right with you. I mean, we can talk uh, for no, no. I, I don't want to do any kind of self promotion. Now it's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, for folks that don't know, uh, your channel is all about providing backstory to certain events in video game history. Right. Um, it's it's go. It just jumps from one topic for another. Uh, like for example, your latest video that uh, was posted is how dark how perfect dark was made right. um and that, uh, my favorite that i've seen on your channel is probably the whole fbi winners don't use drugs oh, thanks, story man. i thought i thought that was really interesting because it's uh anybody that grew up in our in and around arcades sees that and kids just kind of like rolled their eyes at it like I mean, right they, right just like made made fun of it but it's like, oh, there are legitimate reasons why that's there. And it's not entirely because, like, we can't have kids using drugs and playing <laughs> games, you know, because that's, that's how it's perceived, at least for me. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, gl I'm glad you like that one, man. That one was, uh, I just kind of, I was not planning on doing that. I just kind of was reading old replay magazines, like the arcade uh, trade mag, and ran into an article about it. I was like, oh, this has, like, an interesting backstory. So, ah, uh, nice. Yeah. So what's the what what made you get started with doing videos like this? Um, well, uh, I mean, I used to watch, I, I still do a lot of gaming historian, and uh, I didn't really like set out to make like a gaming history channel per se. Like I started off just doing uh, let's plays. Actually, like I would just get drunk. I mean, like trashed and <laughs> play. Like wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, me either. As I'm drinking a double old fashioned I made myself before this. Oh, <laughs> um, welcome to drunk friend. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I was, uh, just looking for the worst, most, uh, inappropriate, like, visual novel games I could find and getting drunk and playing those. And I found, like, some extremely questionable ones. Anyways, uh, one day read about Bleem. I didn't see, like, any videos that I thought were good about Bleem. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll just make a video about it. And, uh, like I said, I really like giving his story. And I'm like, well, if he did it, I can do it. And then people liked it. And then I'm like, the next week, I'm like, okay, I'll make another one. And it just kind of went on and on from there. And I've always been like into uh, like video editing. I've done a lot of video editing for other projects and bands I've been in. So uh, I already kind of knew how to edit a little bit at least. So it made it a little bit easier. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. I was going to bring up the editing piece. I was saving it, but we could do it. We'd jump into it right now. Uh, your your videos are very well edited. They've gotten much much better over time, as we all tend to to sure. get a little bit better at what we're doing over time. But I'm impressed with. Uh, 
a lot of it um my eyes are always caught by a lot of like the 3d rendering stuff that that's going on there and i'm curious like are you doing that is that all you where did you learn that because it is very impressive i love it so much uh thanks uh yeah i mean i'm the one doing all the with the exception of the 3d model uh of the expand in the expand video of that cartridge because that was like just before i started learning how to work with 3d stuff um yeah all the other 3d stuff is stuff that i've done uh most of it i've modeled there's a couple things here and there in some videos where i've found like a free model and it's it'll be in the description credits or to whoever but uh dude i i still tell people like i don't know what i'm doing when it comes to 3d modeling and animation every video i have to like figure out how to do something that i want to do because i've just never done it like the mario kart video i didn't know how to make the wheels spin at the rate that the uh carts traveled so I had to like mm-hmm. learn a little bit of espresso programming in Cinema 4D for that. But like that's something that like if you know how to do it, it should really only take you like, I don't know, like 10 minutes to get set up. And it took me like a week and a half because I really have no <laughs> idea what I'm, I'm like learning like uh, on the job when it comes to the 3D stuff. But uh, I mostly yeah. use Blender. Uh, I'm sorry, not Blender, but Cinema 4D. Uh, I, I've been doing a little bit of stuff in Blender and I'll probably be switching over to that since, you know, it's free. Right, right. It is impressive. It's it's eye-catching. You don't see it a lot. And especially, you know, the retro gaming circles, uh, I think it makes you stand out quite a bit. I haven't seen anything like that in a lot of the, the content that I soak in. So so kudos there. And I did want to comment, you know, Alex kind of alluded to this, your, your topics jump around. I like that. It's not really like censored in a space of gaming. It, it tends to jump around. Like I was so excited to see that you had some information about the yellow tab on the EA carts for the Genesis. I was like, I was just thinking about that the other night. I'm like, did they store like extra <laughs> rosters in there? Like, what's good? Why is my Madden got the thing? Um, but you shed the light on that. So I, I am interested to know, like, when are are you looking for topics, or you just kind of let something that you want to you want to like learn more about come to you first? I mean, I, I do have uh, like a doc um, with you know just like tons of topics that I'd like to cover or thought would be fun to cover at some point, but. I would say like more often than not, just something popped in my mind. Maybe I'm just talking like the yellow tabs video. Mm-hmm. I was literally just talking with some friends and somehow the yellow, we were talking about like gen- like old, like rumors like that about video games that we, you know, heard at school and stuff. And somehow the yellow cards came up and like, you know, what people thought they were for or whatever, the yellow tabs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I bet a lot of people like grew up wondering what that was for or whatever so that's kind of how that came about and i wanted to like render make like a 3d model of a sega genesis for an eventual sega genesis video so i'm like all right let me just you know knock out two birds with one stone here yeah it's one of those things where i think most people that do youtube i mean you know you always have stuff in mind that you want to cover but if something interesting comes to mind i mean if it's interesting to you i think you can it's easier to make it interesting for other people you know they hear the excitement of your voice or you know you put more into the script or whatever so yeah, yeah, your channel comes across as like a, a a TV show. Like I could just turn on like on a you know on a on a Tuesday night and some cable channel. Um, I think uh, my life in gaming is kind of similar, where yeah. there's a lot of really nice uh, production value and all that and all that sort of stuff. It, it, it lends a lot of legitimacy to to what you're talking about, which is really cool. Thanks, um, I appreciate it. So, yeah, so when you when you set out to do something, do you have any like favorite go to like magazines, any go to bookmarks, any books um, that you you make sure to hit when you're when you're researching something? It depends. Um, I mean, I do always hit up like GamePro, Electronic Gaming Monthly, 
Um, God, there's a bunch of other ones. Uh, there's some uh, like Edge. Uh, I can't remember if Edge magazine is the UK version or the American version of it, but uh, I, you probably know what magazine I'm talking about. I've heard of it, yeah. Like, it just really depends what I'm covering. Like, when I was covering the um, Winners Don't Use Drugs screen, I had to go through a lot of coin-op trade mags because there just wasn't a lot of, like, insider information being about arcades being and that industry being covered in your EGMs. You know, console stuff, sure. But, you know, they, they wouldn't get into, like, the minutiae the way some of these um, arcade coin-op trade, trade mags do. Um, for books, sure. uh, the ultimate history of video games is one I've used a lot. The untold history of Japanese game developers, um, is a really good one. Um, <laughs> it, it's more like over the years though, I've learned books to avoid, uh, <laughs> that <maybe laughs> have some question. I'm not going to call any names. I think most people know, know them by now, but I've learned like what books to avoid and what authors to avoid. There's a few out there that, uh, they, they just have some they consistently have inaccuracies in their books. Right, right. Um, but uh, it just depends. I go through a lot of um, old newspapers, too. Um, like when I did the Game Shark video, there was some listing or some newspaper article that they had, like, at a library in Lake Mary, Florida. It was about an hour from me, and it had some information. But it was one of those things where the article online was, like, the scan of it was so bad that you couldn't really make it out. And I thought it said something, but I wasn't sure. So I had to like drive to like a library in Lake Mary uh, to uh, get the article to see uh, if it had the information I thought it did. Um, so again, man, it just like really, really varies. Uh, like I'm sure when you're doing research on, like I would imagine like the arcade games that uh, maybe didn't come to like Super Nintendo or something like that with those kind of videos, I would imagine like those you kind of have to do some outside the box research sometimes because you do give some backstory on some of those right on and in addition to like books and magazines and stuff like that um you also pull like or at least in the uh, i noticed in the uh the winners don't use drugs video the the old news reports of mm -hmm. some of these yep you know suburbanites that are very concerned about arcade cabinets <laughs> popping yeah. up in <laughs> In, in laundromats and these these no these these evildoer kids are harassing yeah. old people just trying to do their laundry yeah that lady had a like great that. name for the for, for the kids i can't remember I, I can't remember what she called them like hooligans maybe or something i don't know she had like some <laughs> awful name she was just like talking about like how an old person can't enjoy their evening doing laundry at the laundromat <laughs> like lady i don't think they're enjoying their evening already as it is but okay <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine Principal Skinner, like you know, with the the scene in The Simpsons, where yeah, he's trying yeah, to pick from like nine different kinds of of soap of laundry yeah. soap. <laughs> and you know, the, the nice thing know. is, like for that video, man, like there were I could have literally made that video like seven minutes longer. There was so much footage of uh, news yeah. reports and people being concerned around the eighties, like because of like the drug hysteria and arcades, like being like a seedy, yeah, which is so weird, man. Did you ever go to an arcade that was seedy? As a kid, like I don't remember. Um, that was like Laserdisc. No, 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 like CD, like like an under, because like these parents, like in these like eighties <laughs> news clips, act like it's like the underbelly of the you know of the criminal. Oh, world or CD, like CD, why? I've completely corn confined. No, it's it's okay, totally understandable. I was like, you mean like Dragon's Lair? Yeah, I've seen that game. No, I've no, you bring up a good point though. No, I've never I've never once been to an arcade that was like, ooh, 
watch out for these people. Uh, this place. Yeah. It, it was always like well lit. It was it was always you know it was just a bunch of freaking yeah. like you know kids, ten year olds, nine year olds, te- you know teenagers. Yeah, and every all anybody cared about was the, was the games. I don't ever remember be in it being ninety seven, ninety six, ninety five, walking into arcade and going, okay, this is where I'm gonna buy some coke. You know, like <laughs> 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 never, never. Yeah, yeah. That's but a good the, point. the yeah. Speaking of drugs, uh, what's what's fascinating about the backstory behind winners don't use drugs is that it lends credibility. That whole movement like lended credibility to uh, the video game industry in two different ways. One yeah. I didn't know about is that it actually prevents piracy because if an arcade board or uh, you know something along those lines doesn't have that screen, then it's not legitimate. And then number two, of course, is that it promotes a uh, a, a quote unquote wholesome message for parents out there. So right. it's uh, it, and and that was companies like Sega were desperate for that. So right. it makes sense why they would agree. All these arcade companies would all be okay with like, yes, we will put William Sessions's name <laughs> on every freaking game that's ever existed. Like, if it'll lend us credibility, then why wouldn't we do that? It's I, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, and, and it makes like, when I, you know, read about that, I was like, oh, that makes complete and total sense. And you don't want to be, you know, Konami the and not put it on your screens when, you know, Capcom is doing it, because now you look like the one that's not against drugs to parents that's or right. whatever, you know? So, yeah, it makes perfect sense why they went with that, and I mean... You know, the logo's cheesy. I mean, I don't know that it kept anybody that I know from using drugs. Of course not. No. <laughs> it's it's completely just u- utterly useless. Yeah, like, yeah. It became, it was one of the, uh, I guess, you know, it was one of the first memes. Yeah, like, yeah. Of my, of my lifetime, because all we did was just kind of make fun of it. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you'd see that you'd be... You'd be playing X Men with your friend or something, and you'd look over like you're not using any drugs right now, are you? Or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want Sessions or, to find out about that. He'll uh, <laughs> yeah, William Sessions is gonna knock your door down. He'll put up another fence using the FBI's tax money. Years uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, like I don't know, like I, I do think it was like a win-win for everybody, except for maybe like I don't know, I, I guess like the drug customer, users, yeah, drug users, I guess, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, hey, smart move for the government, smart move for Sessions, and uh, smart yeah. for the uh, arcade companies, obviously. It was pure lip service, and it, clearly it, it made some kind of effect towards legitimacy because right. you get those people from those old news clips that are like, oh, thank God. Th- right, th- right. These kids aren't aren't being t- told to use drugs as they play a game like narc and uh, <laughs> right, where you're like murdering people left and right. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But hey, those are drug dealers you're kidding, so it's fine. <laughs> They're not people. So I want to, we know that, you know, wrestling with gaming is the name. We know that um, you have a wrestling history. You probably get right. asked this a lot, but I'm curious, you know, on the channel, I know you put a lot of work into these videos. The They release ever so sparsely because takes a lot of time to produce high quality. Yeah. But I'm looking through this library here and I don't, I see, I see wrestling with gaming, but I don't see a lot of wrestling topics <laughs> in wrestling with gaming's um backlog here so 
Is there is there a reason why you haven't covered those? Or you just you, you don't so, want to like be pigeonholed into it, or is it what, what's the um, deal? There there really isn't a reason why I haven't. Uh, so there used to be wrestling content on my channel, but uh, it was like my my old wrestling matches. Mm. So and at some point it was like my channel's name was London Vice, which was like my name when I was wrestling. And, uh, you know, I started doing these videos. So I'm like, well, let me change it to, I couldn't think of a name. So I literally said, okay, well, I've got wrestling with gaming on this channel. So I'm just going to name it that and I'll, <laughs> I'll come up with something better later. That was 2016. Uh, oh, <laughs> so I, I did see. not come up with something better. So, uh, yeah, but then like the first adpocalypse that happened, um, channels started getting demonetized if they had wrestling matches. Uh, oh. hmm. it's like, cause it was like too violent. So I was just like, well, I don't want to, and that was kind of when like my channel was like starting to, gain some traction and momentum and i was like well i don't want some of my old matches to like derail my channel so i just took them down so that's why there's no wrestling stuff and i uh if anything i was hesitant to cover wrestling stuff for the first couple years after that first apocalypse but like now it seems to like not really be on youtube's demonetization radar um and it's not so much the money it's more like as you guys know a lot of times if your video gets demonetized because of a the content it's also going to get shown to less people and i don't mm -hmm. know about you guys but i'm not making videos for them to not be seen by people so i just didn't want to have a channel that was demonetized or whatever and well i'm telling you man i i hope you do do some like video game wrestling content in the future um just so you can uh experience what i've experienced uh one of the first videos that blew up on my channel um was something i made back in 2015 uh i covered every Super Nintendo wrestling game uh, and Super Famicom game. And I just made like just smart ass offhanded comments about certain guys. <laughs> like I, I like I, for example, I explained why I liked the roster for the Super Nintendo um, uh, WWF Royal Rumble. It had every it was like just Ric Flair, Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Undertaker, like Razor Ramon, one after another. It's just murderer's row. And then yeah, you go yeah. to Raw and it's like one, two, three kid and Bam Bam <laughs> Bigelow. And, and I'm just like, I don't like these guys, dude. And then to this day, six, yeah, I don't know how many, six, seven years later, I get super pissed off comments saying like bam bam and one two three kid did a lot for the business they deserve way more respect they're awesome and it's like i never said they didn't i just didn't Jesus. like them in that game like what the hell? yeah and, and it's like, not like you know i still get comments and you know you're talking about one two three kid the character not x-pac you know or something like that you know yeah or sean waltman or right whoever. right or, yeah yeah the person yeah his parents did not name him x-pac uh <laughs> But dude, it's funny that you brought up Bam Bam as kind of like a, uh, I don't know. I always considered him like a like a C or D list guy. Like ba I don't know. I never liked Bam Bam Bigelow, so I was curious about your feelings about Bam Bam. Oh, I just thought uh, he was just a guy, you know. Like he he's the guy that lost to Lawrence Taylor in that one main event, and that's not his doing. It's just right, like, right. That's the peak of his career. He's the right. guy who lost to, to Lawrence to, to, to LT, <clears throat> and then he he ended up being like uh, kind of reinventing himself a little bit in ECW, and then he went to WCW again, 
and just became a guy yeah. and was just, I don't know. I, he, he, he just blends in with everybody else for me for some reason. Yeah, and it's so weird because like you think a guy with his look wouldn't blend in. But yeah, I always yeah. Like, I, I, <laughs> like, I can't remember a single one of his matches outside of the spot with him and Taz where they go through the ring in ecw oh, that's right yeah that's like, a good point I, I i was trying to remember like he did something really cool in ecw but then that was it that was and it. that was basically it that's that's that was it yeah and, and i think I don't, was it the ring or maybe the ramp or maybe they did it both or something i can't remember i think it was the ramp but I, I, uh because yeah. i think big show did the ring like well in, there was in, yeah uh, i'm pretty sure eh, whatever it doesn't matter uh either way yeah. uh unremarkable <laughs> <laughs> yeah Trav, do you have any do you have any strong opinions about Bam Bam Bigelow? Oh, uh, not I didn't like dislike him, but uh, there was a guy uh, I like a kid that I went to school with, like elementary school kid, like a like a ten year old that looked like him somehow. I don't know how a ten year old can <laughs> look like Bam Bam, but he did. We called him Little Bam Bam, but he had like the exact same like. I mean, if you if you made him bald a little bit and gave him like some some chops, like give him like a beard, um, that ten year old was Bam Bam Bigelow. So That's... he had that permanent scowl. Yeah, I, I I'm tempted. I don't know his real name because we did call him Little Bam Bam for you know all of school. So I don't. I, know his I assume real name. it I'm was the uh, the head tattoo he had. Yeah, uh, kid had a great <laughs> head tattoo. Got that in third grade actually before I met him. But, uh, <laughs> no, and he he also he he was wise to it. He he didn't let it get him down. That kid went as uh, Bam Bam for Halloween one year, and we were like. That's cool, man. That's smart. <laughs> yeah, That's leaning cool. into it. He Dude, did. I mean, I mean, hey, one of the first things, uh, well, not one of the first things, but one of the earliest, uh, you know, like, etiquette lessons that uh, Bubba and Devon taught us at my wrestling school was not to, like, you know, don't don't uh, react to, like, somebody that ribs you, you know, like, lean into it, if mm-hmm. anything. Don't don't show that it's, like, affecting you, because otherwise you'll just get, like, effed with more. Yep. Right. That's a good call. And that's that's actually a good segue. I wanted to ask you a little bit, like what you wanted to divulge about your your wrestling career and uh, how it all oh, went sure. and, and all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I rest, I went to uh, Team 3D's school in Kissimmee, Florida. Team 3D, aka the Dudley Boys, um, in 2007, I think it was. Um, yeah, June 2007. Wow. There- so they were like fresh out of WWE, WWE or WWE yeah, they were in TNA. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So, um, they, uh, excuse me. Uh, so yes, I was there training for basically like their wrestling school. And by the way, I should mention, and I don't think this is widely known uh, online, but they have a strength and conditioning coach. Although I guess now, like, uh, Devon just runs the Kissimmee school. But, anyways, the strength and conditioning coach, at least when I went there, was Dan Carr, the guy who created American Gladiators. And oh, wow. yeah, because he was dating Bubba's daughter. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bubba was dating his daughter. That makes way more sense because uh, this is like a 67 year old, 70 year old man. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So like he would um, like and the guy is a total character. He was also like a world arm wrestling champion. He has like a crazy life. And uh, he would basically come up with a lot of. Stuff that, like, for safety reasons, they wouldn't let him do at American Gladiators. He'd come up with, like, these obstacles and course kind of things for us to do. But it'd be, like, an obstacle course, and then he'd be like, all right, now carry two 40-pound dumbbells while you do it. You know, it'd be like, why? why? This is already dangerous. Why are we adding weight to this? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I wrestled for about uh, 10 years. Oh, what I was going to say was at the Dudley School, you pretty much had to be there for a year before they would let you work matches. 
And a lot of other wrestling schools uh, in Florida and other parts of the country, like one, two months, they'll send you out to start wrestling matches. Uh, so mm-hmm. it was very unusual in that way. And even after that year, it was like Bubba and Devon had to give you their okay um, before you went out. And th- But this is why you see a lot of like the people that came out of that school for that era – uh, like are a lot better. Uh, like guys like like Sam Shaw. He went to the uh, Dudley Boys School. Uh, Dexter Loomis now, in uh, on Raw. Um, uh, my God, QT Marshall was there all the time too. Uh, at the Dudley Boys School. So uh, uh, Pate uh, Tamatanga in New Japan. Uh, he mm-hmm. and his oh, brother damn. Tafita. Yeah. Uh, I used to go out drinking with pa- with Tamatanga all the time in downtown Orlando. Like that guy could fucking drink uh <laughs> but yeah anyway sorry about my wrestling career yeah wrestled for about uh 11 years or so till my last match was in 2018 i had like a tryout uh with um uh ring of honor once uh but like that's about like my biggest like crush with like the big time uh john cena's dad did tryout? referee a few of my matches though so Taz did? No, no, John Cena's dad. John oh, Cena's John Cena. Cena. I thought he was a dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, John no. Cena's dad. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was it was I don't know why they brought him in, but this company I worked with, they would bring him in sometimes. And he was don't get me wrong, everybody loved him when he came around. He was really cool. He would freestyle rap, which was a little weird. Uh <laughs> but yeah, the guy's a character. <laughs> That's crazy. So when you say you tried out for Ring of Honor, like what is that process like? How many people are watching you? What is, what is it that you have to do for for a tryout for to become part of a roster? So the one I went to, it was like a it was weird. It was like a tryout slash uh, workshop uh, slash opportunity to get on like a dark match for the show they were running in town that day. Um, so, but for the that one we. Did a bunch of drills, like uh, so they can get uh, a look at your conditioning. Uh, some round robin stuff, which round robin is basically where uh, two guys, uh, two people are in the ring and they wrestle for a little bit, and then somebody will yell tag, or one of them will tag out to somebody else. So you might have, you know, like thirty oh, people okay. doing this, and you know, you're just calling right. everything on the fly, basically. Oh um, wow! Are, are you allowed to plan ahead or no? Well. I guess you could, but the problem is you don't know that you're going to end up in the ring with the person you're planning stuff with. Oh, okay. So, you know, it could be anybody. Now, that doesn't mean you can't, like, think ahead of time, okay? Like, because once you've been to, like, a few of these tryouts, you kind of know, okay, they're going to expect some round-robin thing. And we used to do a lot of round-robin at the Dudley Boys School. So you can kind of have, like, a few spots in mind that are quick and easy to call out that you know just about anybody will be able to do. But, I mean, Mm. that's probably about as much planning as you really can do because... Let's say you you have like a spot in mind that's like three moves or whatever, like, and you, it's halfway through the round robin. Chances are something similar has been done because you're not going to set up something complicated here. It's going to be very simple stuff. <laughs> um, you're not going to do a tiger suplex like dy- dynamite kid style, right? Like, right. I'm not going to. You're not going to apron, <laughs> right? You're, you're not going to call an audible to throw a guy outside the ring and do like a tope con hilo. You know, that's not going to happen. That's. You know? That's that sounds like something I've heard somebody do before. I want to say I've heard a story of some idiot that tried to like do something crazy, like like he was doing a moonsault, and the guy had no idea what the hell he was oh doing. My God. So he just like fell f- on his face, basically. I mean, I will and say he got th- pissed. There are sometimes where you're like waiting on a move, like you know maybe a guy suplexes your body, slams you, yeah. and they go to hit the ropes. I mean, I'm not. They may not have told me what they're gonna do. 
when they come but by the time they get close enough to you by their way their body's positioned you, you'll know then but yeah man if somebody called uh like anything where there's a dive to the outside like that's not an audible type situation you know uh i'd be like nope sorry poke him in the eyes or something you know grab a grab a headlock yeah. and brother hold him yeah there. But uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I did get to wrestle a lot of uh, fun people. I got to lens- wrestle Lindsay Dorado a bunch of times, um, just because he he lived in Orlando area, which is where I was living at the time. So we would end up on a lot of uh, similar shows. I had a feud that was on TV, like the one of the pe- places I wrestled for. They had a TV show locally, and uh, I had like a feud with Prince Iakea of WCW. <laughs> Prince Iakea. Yeah. I have not heard that name in a long time. Speaking of 1996. Yes. And dude, wow. he, he was a heel. And oh, wow. freaking amazing heel. Like the guy can cut really good heel promos. And I'm just like, well, why didn't they use you better? But anyways, dude, at this point, I mean, he, he had to have been in his mid 40s, maybe later. And he was still wrestling like same style, like same pace as he wrestled in uh, WCW, you know, in his Cruiserweight Championship heydays or whatever. Uh, but yeah, he was super cool. I did. I had a feud with him that was like a best of five series that ended in an I quit match, which I don't know. I just think that's that would be funny to like go back to my sixteen year old self and say, "Hey, one day you're gonna have an I quit match with Prince Ik of all people." <laughs> nobody, nobody's like awesome. quote unquote cool Prince Ik. Yeah, you're just picking a name out of a hat at that point. <laughs> it might as well have been Mean Mike Enos, right? Uh, Mike Enos. Hey, one of the Beverly brothers. I liked him. <laughs> but, but dude, I will say, like, once, you know, like, I got to meet, because uh, he, he worked at this company for, like, a couple of years. Like, they, they had re- very regularly running shows. And, uh, I mean, he's vi- so underrated in the ring, on the mic, and he's a sweetheart. He was always, like, more than happy to help. Uh, people with like wrestling or promos or whatever so i i i don't want to make it sound like i'm dissing on prince ikea he's just not who 16 year old me would have wanted and i quit matching (laughs) (laughs) i mean he was memorable i he just i mean he had uh i remember when i think of prince ikea i remember him being like the wcw tv champion for like a really long time yeah and he was on he was on tv every single week against like uh, I don't know who else was around back then. Like Alex Wright. Yeah, uh, yeah, like the cruiserweights. Guy, guys, Disco Inferno. Yeah, guys, guys like that. I actually now that I think he and Disco had a feud over the TV. T- oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they had a feud over it. But uh, yeah, and then at one point, I think it was when Russo took over. He became the artist. Oh you- yeah. See, I I had checked out of WCW. I, it, Smart, WCW smart man. at that point was basically done. Oh, well, I like pain, <laughs> so I, I kept watching it to the very <laughs> fucking better. I'm sorry, can we curse on here? I need to. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's ahead. encouraged, oh, yeah. even. Yeah. Oh, okay, good, good. Sorry, it's it's the old fashions talking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I watched the WCW to the to the very bitter end. Uh, I don't know why. Well, that's that's a good segue though, because now we can talk a little bit about uh, the pro wrestling scene in 1996, since this is the 96th episode. And I guess I want to start with WWF, and I I just want to give some quick background from my perspective in this uh, in this instance. Uh, I pretty much stopped watching wrestling entirely in '93. Um, I was. I was 11 years old in 93, and I was mad that uh, they all of a sudden took Lex Luger and completely erased his heel gimmick of the narcissist. Oh, I love like, that gimmick. 
And, and well, then they just put him put an American flag on him, and it's like, okay, now you're all American, Lex Luger. You're gonna body slam Yokozuna on a on a uh, aircraft carrier, and then you're gonna be our our next Hulk Hogan. And I just like outright rejected that as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is the dumbest thing ever. So I just quit cold turkey. What helped bring me back was like, oh, guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels are not only are they still around, but they're going to do an hour long match for the title. I was like, holy crap, that's such a huge deal. And yeah, to this day, I've seen that match like that was happened at WrestleMania 96 uh, in WrestleMania 12. And yeah, that was do you remember watching that? Trav, do you, do you have any WWF memories? Uh, specifically 1996, I have to say no, but 1996 was what birthed my wrestling renaissance. So kind of like you, Alex, except, um, it was the, the Hogan heel turn bash at the beach that I didn't catch in yes. real time because I was blind to it, but my friend, everybody at school was talking about it. So that was what got me back into wrestling. I took a brief hiatus in the mid nineties too. So, uh, you, you weren't into the, the new generation. Yeah, not, not so much. The, the- the new generation, which was like one, two, three kid, <laughs> and yeah, one, two, three kid, and they brought back Bob Backlund for some reason. And what, yeah, was was Men on a Mission was, part of that too? Yeah, Men on a Mission, yeah, uh, Mabel. They, they they gave him a a big push. It was just it was a mess. Yeah. But ninety six well, was started to bring bring me back. And it sounds like yeah. it worked for Trav too, especially with Hogan. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I I never fully fully stopped watching, but I mean, I was barely watching during the new generation era like when you had like I, it was these weird goofy gimmicks and like i don't know like they were still doing occupational gimmicks like even even <laughs> in 96 like at the royal rumble duke the dumpster rosie who loves being a garbage man so much he's a wrestler what uh like, same thing with like, like irs man and big boss man and yeah or like yeah. sparky plug or whatever like it's like i'm a, i love race car driving that's why i'm wrestling what <laughs> there was like, a plumber too wasn't there oh Probably. i think you're right uh shoot i, I can't remember there was like, a plumber that like came to the ring with like a toilet plunger and everything it was like the stupidest freaking thing ever yeah i i, I do oh, not yeah. get these occupational gimmicks tl hopper <laughs> i just looked him up tl hopper <laughs> <laughs> but um Anyways, yeah, uh, I had kind of like checked out for mostly occasionally I would catch it like superstars or something. But yeah, um, I mean, once I started hearing about um, I I mean, definitely by the time Bash at the Beach came around and Hogan turned like that was uh, when I I was like back into it deep. But I always liked Shawn Michaels. So like that, that was mostly what I was catching if like uh, if I saw he was going to be on superstars or whatever or shock on saturday night no that was later actually but um so yeah um as like once i heard that like sean michaels uh and bret hart had like their iron man match or were having it like i i my parents wouldn't let me get the pay-per-view but i ended up like getting it uh at blockbuster just renting it once it hit there and i must have watched it i don't know like four or five times over that weekend that's awesome and that's kind of what started getting me back hooked. Would you say he was your, is he still, if you had to pick an all-time favorite, are you leaning Shawn Michaels? Oh, man. Yeah, I would say Shawn. I, I think uh, my two favorites were Shawn and Chris Jericho, and they're very similar. Mm. Um, yes. And I think at the end of the day, like Jericho's going to end up, maybe not, maybe Jericho's highs won't be as high as Shawn Michaels were, but I think he's going to end up having the better career. 
Yeah. Well, he's still going. I know, man. Just, every year <laughs> he like crazy. does something different. Like it's ridiculous. He's like he's like the Madonna of wrestling, you know, constantly reinventing himself. <laughs> One thing I want to touch on uh, about 1996 in general, especially when it came to wrestling, it was such an, an incredibly exciting time because WWF and WCW went head to head. Their mm -hmm. TV shows were on at the same time every Monday. Uh, I think WCW was the first one to go to two hours. And Raw was just one hour. And I think by 96, Raw had expanded to two hours. I don't remember exactly. But one of the biggest, well, biggest, like, what the fuck moments ever was Scott Hall just, like, shows up on Nitro. He comes out of the crowd, and he's wearing this, like, ridiculous denim outfit. He's got a denim vest with jeans. He looks ridiculous. <laughs> and no T-shirt on underneath because, because it's wrestling. He asks for a mic. Of course, he gets one. And everybody's like, holy crap, that's Razor Ramon. And he gets on the mic, and he says, he gives his promo. He just goes, you know why I'm here? Or you don't, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And then he, he basically just goes away. And it's like, oh, my God, are, is is he like just showing up like just because right. he can? Like, is he under contract? Like, is he part of this? Like, there was no information out there that was readily available anyway, unless you were like subscribed to like Dave Meltzer's thing right. or something. But if you were just watching this on TV and you saw something like that, it was like, did I really just see that? Like, it was surreal. And then a few weeks later, here there's Kevin Nash. And he gives the famous promo where it's like, oh, so this is where the big boys play, huh? Well, we ain't here to play. And then they kick the crap out of basically everybody. Mm -hmm. And then that's when Hogan joins up with them and turns heel. It was like just every single week was like must. Yeah. I, I have to see what happens next. Who from the, who from the WWF is going to like, you know, show up. show up out of nowhere? It was so freaking cool. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. Uh, it, and, and then, like, the next day, like, at school, like, always, like, everybody was, like, talking about yes. Tuesday, on Tuesday. Like, all the, at least all the boys on my school would uh, get together. Yeah. And just, like, that's all we would talk about. Every, like, whether it was lunch or, you know, before first period or whatever. But, um, yeah, man, it was crazy because, like, it felt like not only were you, um, you know, anticipating to see if anybody would show up, anybody would, like, cross over or whatever. Because it was, like you said, no information. You didn't know. WCW did a great job making it seem like WWF was invading WCW yeah. or something like yeah. that. You know? Uh, and, I, and I do remember that, like, WWE, like, ended up suing WCW. And WCW then had to, like... I, there's, like, a really awkward promo. I don't even know if you remember. Where, like, Bishop, I think, is the interviewer. He asked, like, Scott Hall and, and Nash if they work for WWE or something like that. Uh, and they have to be like, no, no, we don't. <laughs> it's like super weird super weird but yeah but like it felt real it, and it was such yeah it, a, it broke the fourth wall yeah yeah like everything felt real i mean granted do you remember dude do you remember who was wrestling when scott hall came to the ring the first time uh you mentioned him earlier it was mean mike enos and i don't know who he would have been the wrestling, mauler the mauler who's that who is that <laughs> he's I don't know if that's, that's what it was. I, and I only remember because Larry Zabisco, probably high as a kite, I've gotten to know him uh, through my wrestling career, and uh, he's always high as a kite. Anyways, uh, <laughs> he, he's like, oh, we're just watching this match here with the Mahler, as like Scott Hall is walking down. Um, so that's the only reason I remember, because like, Zabisco made like a weird point to like call out that the Mahler was in the ring. Uh, 
But yeah, I don't know, man. It just felt like anything could happen. Not not, not even like yeah. that somebody might show up from another company. You just like all this stuff was just like weird. Like, you know, they're starting to like say damn a lot in WCW, <laughs> I remember. And I was like, oh, this this must be real, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, uh, I remember Bischoff actually getting powerbombed through a table. Yeah. And that yeah. seemed like it, it would have been off limits at the time because Bischoff was just like a guy. You never like saw like a non wrestler get anything yeah. like, like that. And he got destroyed. Like he got like thrown through yeah. a table like yeah. bad. And it was like, oh, my God, like this, like it, it just felt. Yeah, it felt real and it was crazy. And then uh, um, meanwhile, over in WWF, he had Austin doing his thing. But he was kind of on an island. It was basically just like him and Mick Foley and Undertaker. and Because uh, Michaels kept getting hurt. And he had, I guess, like a drug problem. Bret Hart took right. a leave of absence. And so WWF was like its own like bizarre thing. They were kind of still in that awkward new generation phase. But they were clearly like moving away from that. Right. Thanks to guys like Austin. So you had the point is you had two completely different programs going on at the same time and WWF was so uh desperate to um keep up with WCW because they were getting wrecked in the in the TV ratings so you never knew what you were going to see on any given night it was great yeah and and you know it's weird because like during this time i feel like a lot of people when looking back act like WWF at the time was like doing nothing to combat WCW's um you know, kind of change in attitude and edge that they started presenting. Mm -hmm. But by the same token, that same year, like at WrestleMania 12, right? Like we talked about how like Brett and Sean had that uh, 60 minute Iron Man classic that same month at WCW Uncensored. It was like Hogan and Savage. They beat like Ric Flair, Anderson, Mang, like Barbarian, the Taskmaster, <laughs> Z Gangsta. Uh, and I remember the ultimate solution too, like in some, in that doomsday cage match and it was super hokey. So I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I think it's unfair to like act like WCW was like the first one that started showing an edge, um, oh, which I think that tends to happen a lot. That's totally true. I don't even think of that stuff when I think of 96. My, my mind immediately goes to, to NWO and that, yeah, you're right. That, that didn't happen until I think July or like August or something because, uh, yeah, I remember kids. Bash at the beach. No, Bash at the beach is July. Okay, yeah, because I remember for Halloween that year, uh, there like basically like half the school was just put on an NWO shirt, shirt and like a bandana <laughs> and some sunglasses, and I was like the just easiest costume ever. Everyone. But it was yeah, but it was the easiest costume ever. But it was also the coolest costume right, ever. Right. And it was like yeah, it was oh, awesome. Dude, the NWO like it. <laughs> Somehow, even with old ass Hogan in it, it like seemed so cool. Uh, you know, at the time, people roll, roll their eyes at Hogan and all his politics, and he's not that great in the ring. But that guy, he made it work. He yeah. he was one of the he's one of the all time great baby faces, and he's one of the all time great heels. He, like, uh, he he made it work. Yeah, he made uh, Mister America work. You know, like uh, yeah, I don't, like, I don't, <laughs> we can't act like Hogan isn't talented. You know. Um, Some people, I, I, I maybe I'm out of touch because I used to, you know, post on message boards and stuff like that. Like this is back in like the early 2000s. People would just roll their eyes at Hogan and be, just be like, "Oh, this freaking guy," and 
he doesn't even do like uh you know it's like give me Yushin Thunder Liger over Hogan. It's like you can't compare those guys. Like right. it's two completely different. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It, it's but yeah, Hogan is he's, he's, he's got like he's his own. Himself. He's the babe. He's got like his own yeah. weird charisma. Uh, yeah, that is unique only to Hogan, and I say that uh, as someone who loves the Hulk Hogan's movies that he stars in because he brings <laughs> that weird charisma, and it doesn't work in movies, and it's amazing. <laughs> and that's why the movie. Hey, it are great. worked in Gremlins too when he shows up in the movie theater. Uh, okay, and, fair, uh, fair, and it does work in No Holds Barred, but he's basically Hulk Hogan in No oh, Holds that, Barred. So. That movie is unbelievably bad, but uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> he does have his own weird charisma. That's funny. Yeah. Anyways, I know. I know we kind of sidetracked here from discussing '96. Uh, uh, were you guys uh, like the type that would like watch every pay per view at that time, or? Not for me, not yet. Um, I think the first pay per view, the one that I had to get was um, WrestleMania 17. That wasn't for, or not 17, 14. The one where Tyson oh, was the yeah. uh, special ref. I had to see that. Like I, I was still only, uh, I was 14 in '96. Um, but by the time '98 rolled around, I had a job and money so i could just like i'm gonna buy this but yeah. uh, no as far as i couldn't convince my parents to 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 roll with any pay-per-views or anything unfortunately what about you trav uh my cousin was a he was a year older than me he was a big wrestling fan he, he would be the only reason i got into anything he was the one that told me about hogan and you know he had a very convincing way of being like you have to come over this weekend to watch this with me and i'd be like <laughs> i don't know if it's my thing man i'm really into like football and stuff and baseball he's like no you're coming over. Mom's making nachos. You're watching wrestling with me. And I was like, okay, well, I can't drive, so you have to talk to our parents. And then somehow he would convince our parents that I needed to come there and that I wanted to. And wow. thankfully he did because they ended up <laughs> loving it. Uh, I was resistant at first. And then after that, it became like kind of a thing where it was like every pay-per-view, his parents would get it. I'd go to his house on a Sunday. And then uh, in the morning, his mom would take us both to school the next morning. So I had a bit of a ritual for watching pay-per-view. Uh, it's probably starting right around like maybe the the one after Bash at the Beach. And it was mainly the WCW. I don't think we I don't think we watched a lot of the WWF stuff uh, at that time. But yeah, I watched a few of them. I don't know if I remember any of them, but I was in there. Oh, OK. I was going to say, did any any like any any sort of moments stick out uh, to you or anything like that? I mean, that whole the whole WCW tornado for the next two years is one big blur to me. I have no idea. I have no yeah. concept of what happened when, but, um, I mean, it was, I remember being so glued to it that I was just completely insatiable. <laughs> well, there was enough of it to go around. I mean, it was, there was so much wrestling yeah. on TV that eventually we had Sunday night heat, uh, WCW kept going with uh Saturday nights and, uh, I, uh, I, 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 I thought I heard shotgun Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, shotgun Saturday earlier. night. That's, yep. That's not something I can, re I can remember. I, I haven't even thought about that show in a thousand years. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. There was, there, there was plenty to go around. Yeah. Um, and, and again, uh, I, I was going to ask you guys, you know, for me, when I think of WCW 96 is I kind of think of for me, like WCW 96 starts at Bash at the Beach, like because mm -hmm. uh, you had mentioned yeah. earlier, like you don't ever 
Oh, I don't. I didn't think about like that weird match that happened, you know, that other WCW pay per view. And I usually don't think about those either. Had I not just like been looking stuff up for the show earlier, I would have been like, "Oh shit, I don't remember that." One of you guys mentioned it, so yeah, it's yeah, it's just weird how a, that works. There's a whole goofy period with WCW where Hogan shows up in I think like '94. Yep. And they do the exact same thing that WWF did with him in the '80s, where it's like, "Oh, here's Earthquake," but this time he's like. The, the, shark the shark or something yeah and, oh no and here's macho man and rick flair in a in a title match again and it's like this is just the same old stuff but yeah once batch of the beach 96 happened everything changed it was like oh okay now we got to see what happens next was that basically the, the the talk of the town at school for you guys as well the next day like it was here for me oh absolutely yeah i mean that was kind of par for the course for me uh some of my earliest uh memories in terms of wrestling i remember um when i first got into it was the day after wrestlemania 6 and uh everybody on the bus was talking about it and i remember just peppering uh questions to like the kids that were lucky enough to watch it um uh so it, so i was like who, who won heart foundation versus this these guys and who won the the tag team title match and you know everybody mm-hmm. was talking about it so it convinced me to like really get into it at that point but but yeah it's it was it was a lot of fun i was just going to say like yeah. Maybe it was the age I was. There was a a group of older kids who were like all about the NWO, right? They they already had their NWO shirts, and I was still like, I don't know. They seem like bad guys to me, guys. I don't know. I <laughs> I like all the good guys. I like I like Sting, and uh, and Rey Mysterio's nice, and uh, and I like Macho Man. And then when Macho Man went to the NWO, I think I cried. I think I was like, we're losing all the good ones. They're all mean. <laughs> oh, They're so rough. You know, I was just like 10 or 11. I was like, this is all. I didn't understand contracts or even heels. I'm like, he's just a bad man. Um, <laughs> but but that's what helped glue kids to this. It was a soap opera that was so riveting. You can't, I don't know if it'll yeah. ever be topped again. I mean, there's, there's books yeah. about this that <laughs> talk about how yeah. amazing it was. Yeah. And just not knowing, you know, not having as easy access to uh, insider information. Like it was just kind of maybe starting to become a thing where like you know somebody on a- some AOL news group might like hear like some insider information but it was like you rarely like heard anything so I don't know it just seemed like so different exciting and again for me it was just like we have no idea what's going to happen but I do remember after the Hogan heel turn that like way more kids at school like were interested that day after about what happened I remember one kid didn't believe us this dude never talked wrestling with us but he like overheard us talking about it and he like almost like started crying telling us that he would never believe that Hogan would turn <laughs> so I, like I feel for that year kid. old I feel for what? him. That was he was probably it's a me. kindred spirit over there for Trev. <laughs> it was probably me. I took a vacation to Florida one time. Was it was it you? I can, yeah, I yeah. feel that a hundred percent. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, as we uh, we segue the show along, you know, we have another segment we're going to be talking about 1996. Do you have any specific non wrestling 1996 memories or uh, things you want to you want to call out here? Uh, non-wrestling memories from 96 those exist uh 
What do you mean? What's a big 1996 thing? Like you gotta, you gotta, uh, you know, is there a song? Well, I mean, or well, I got my driver's license, but let me think about something that was actually culturally important. Oh, uh, you got your driver's license. I mean, that's pretty cool. You're probably bopping along in your car, listening to the hottest 1996 music out there. Uh, I was driving a 1989 Nissan Sentra with a broken radio, so I was just listening to the CV joints. Hang on for dear life, for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Between that and the Macarena, you're probably, yeah, <laughs> doing pretty good. The only thing I remember, like, pop culture-wise, and this may not even qualify from 96, is, like, that uh, the uh, first Star Trek The Next Generation movie had come out. Uh, oh, was that Generations? Yeah. It okay. came out, like, two yeah, years after was... the show that in 94, so I do remember that. Yeah. Did you like it at the time? Yeah. I mean, I like it even now. Like, it's not... I. You know, if, I think, like, if you think of it more as, like, an expensive two-part episode, it works better. <laughs> as a movie, I mean, it's not the best, but it definitely could have been worse. And, like, it has enough good stuff with Data and a couple other character things where yeah. I think it's all right. My my parents were big Star Trek dorks. So oh, dude, they, same. That was a, same. That, oh, right on. Yeah, that was a huge deal in our house. So they... We saw it opening day and Same. had a lot of fun, and they loved it. And I so if they loved it, then I was convinced that I loved it, even though I, I still don't even really remember it that well. I've only seen it like one and a half times. Oh, dude, you should go so. back and watch it. Like it's, I, mm. I feel like it holds up better on a on a rewatch uh, right on. Than, than anything. But yeah, okay. Um, I'll have to do that. I, I mean, it's I, I, I with the understanding that it's not going to touch first contact, which of is, course, of course, it's be the, the best, best TNG movie for sure. Yeah, right on. All right, we, we, we got to get off Star Trek, guys, because I, I will derail this into a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not, not see that coming. Did not see that coming. Uh, my, my, my Star Trek fandom is, uh, it, it's out of control monetarily. Uh, <laughs> 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 but yeah, 96. Uh, yeah, I think we did it. Well, yeah, Hill, thanks so much for taking the time. We'd love to have you back and talk about more wrestling stuff maybe wrestling games or whatever your channel's up to i know you, it, maybe it's been a while since you've released a new video you got you got plans coming up for for a new drop anything that uh any, yeah any, okay good yeah good. yeah i've got i have two scripts that i'm working on although one of them is kind of like a redo of my uh game boy camera video uh it does have like it's a new script with like new information too but um just kind of wanted to redo that visually and uh since i was doing that i was like well might as well do a video covering uh the game boy itself uh, since i'm already making these 3d models for it and I'm already kind of researching around that so yeah so i'm working on two scripts and i'm going to try to like just edit both of them and have them all wrapped up uh and then maybe work on start working on another script so that i, I want to like have a little bit of a backlog so i can release stuff more frequently but um it's probably about a month away before i release oh, them, though fantastic well i can definitely say i'm looking forward to it you got a new fan uh out of me your channel's fantastic oh, thanks and, man uh, appreciate yeah, same. it but uh by the way like the videos it's not that they take because i haven't posted in like a year now almost and uh it's not that they take they do take a long time with the 3d stuff and mostly because of my mm -hmm uh ignorance and like i said I'm, I'm i'm learning as i go along here but uh really i had a an issue with like really really crazy bad tendonitis where i Ooh. like just couldn't uh after my day job i just couldn't like type or do anything with a mouse without being in a lot of pain so ouch yeah i had to go to like a hand specialist and like all of a sudden they were like well what you need to do is not use your hands so much for a long time or have surgery <laughs> i was like yikes okay Jeez. so yeah so i just did a bunch of physical therapy stuff and long story short they just recently in the last few months have gotten to a point where they're feeling good again so uh jeez 
but yeah so but it's all good man they're, they're, they're just starting to feel pretty close to normal so it's all good excellent well, that's good to hear hang in there i can't imagine that i feel like everything i do involves my hands so oh that's yeah tough. i was well, like i bought these like weird hooks to like work out at the gym uh that people like with hand problems use so that that, that was fun uh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds fun yeah it's great <laughs> awesome well like i said we'd love to have you back on sometime we appreciate your time here today man um and and thanks it's been awesome yeah thanks so yeah much. thanks for taking the time we, re we really appreciate it you were great thanks hi i'm michelle from point and drink adventure podcast join me and my friend pam from youtube channel cannot be tamed as we drink a little wine and talk about the media we consume everything from movies, video games, and even vinyl pickups. Listen on wherever podcasts can be heard and check out our YouTube channel, Point and Drink Adventure, for more extra video recordings of our podcast. Drink well, my friends. Bye. All right. Well, it was good. It was good having uh, having a nice wrestling conversation, Alex. I feel like it's been a long time since we dug deep into the old, uh, the old squared circle. The old squared circle, the old pro wrestling, uh, 96, great year. Uh, really the year where everything changed. It's true. Uh, uh, on a national level, especially, uh, between uh, WWF and WCW. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, good, old, good old stuff there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that was also the one last wrestling bit of trivia. There. That was the year that The Rock started, 1996. So Yeah, weird to think about. Uh, Rocky Maivia, I think, was his first. Yeah. He was so dorky and so lame. He had his hair was ridiculous. His outfit was ridiculous. Uh, he was your classic like, uh, you know, babyface push where it's like you are going to like this guy. You know, like one of those things. And it's like everybody just kind of rolled their eyes when he came out. So I know I yeah. did. I remember the Royal Rumble where I first like saw his name and was like, why is he in my Royal Rumble? Who is this? He's just wearing like a like blue underwear. I'm like, this guy's so boring. But late, later, I would learn that he is leaking with charisma. But uh, at the time, I didn't. Oh know. yeah, it, it, yeah. Time He's I didn't. Top five all time. For yeah. Sure. Well, let's. Uh, we always jump into music. I say we just keep doing that. I kind of like jumping okay. into music. And man, so some backstory for me. 1996. Uh, I did live through the full year of 1996, as we both did. But then I did a whole month of 1996 uh, a couple years ago in our time travel month um, in the Polymedia Network. So I am extremely familiar with 1996 in ways that maybe some others are not. And uh, I'm able to compare that directly with 1994, which is the only other year in which I time traveled to. And I think 1996 is uh, weird in a lot of ways. I think the movies are pretty good, and that could be my nostalgia. You know, I was 12 or 11, 12 in 1996, so I was I was pretty into a lot of the movies that got big, like Independence Day and Space Jam and stuff like that, like really resonated mm. with my age group. Um, but the music I felt at the time, 1996, really like the the music was almost – all the popular stuff was like all pop, like all – all yeah. stuff my mom was into, like, <laughs> kind of gone were, like, some of the good, you know, grungy stuff and, and, like, hair rock was long dead. Like, this was kind of a transition into rock being kind of hard to get a hold of. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the list here, and um, Soundgarden Down on the Upside was a big deal to me. Uh, Tool uh, Anima is another mm. one that's a big deal. But, by the way, regarding the pronunciation of Anima... I just have to point out real quick, uh, there's a really funny old 
interview with Tool guitarist Adam Jones mm -hmm. at the time of the release. He's in a bowling alley, and you can hear like bowling, you know, pins getting knocked down and stuff like that. And he's just, he, and he could not care less about like who he's talking to. It's like some radio morning show interview. And he keeps correcting the guy, saying the name, calling it Enema. And he's like, no, listen, it's my word. I made it up. It's pronounced Anima. Like, he got really, he got really mad. <laughs> Meanwhile, you hear, like, somebody hitting a spare in the background. That's hilarious. Really funny. You know, yeah. until this very moment, and that's one of my favorite albums, I've been calling it Anima. So you just enlightened me. Oh, uh, okay. Now, he, he uh, the, the guy that came up with it calls it Anima. So All I'm right. going to go with him. And that is... If I it, it's it's a desert island album for me, uh, it's one yeah. of my five. If I had to narrow all my music down to like five albums, that's one of them. It's same it's the guitar actually. sound, really. Yeah, yeah. that's the the guitar sound. Uh, Maynard still sounds really pissed off. He can still sing on key really well. Uh, songs like Eulogy, oh just crushes like that that whole album and plus that whole album is so damn weird like there's all these little uh skits and breaks like there's the one with the baby crying yeah then, is that the one where he squeezes one his cat a bunch no that's that's in lateral that's that's, uh, that's, that's right the next okay. one yeah <laughs> i think i don't think it's a cat i think it's a hairless poodle or something like that <laughs> which but, is basically uh, <laughs> a cat it might as well be a cat, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that whole album was like, what is this? Like, it and the liner notes didn't really offer much information either, and the, and the, it has one of the coolest album covers you'll ever see, uh, with the I call it the sports flicks effect because hmm. those those uh those old sports cards they were they were a brand called sports flicks where you could see a guy like. It's like three shots of him. You 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 kind of tilt the card a certain way, and you can see him pitching or swinging a bat or something. But yeah, that's that wow. was blew my mind when I was a kid seeing that. Yeah, that was that album was a big deal, and you brought up. Uh, and, well, it was a big deal in '96. I didn't get my i I didn't discover Tool in 1996. Unfortunately, it was a couple years later. But that's still a, a big album to me. But I did. I was on the front lines of Soundgarden's Down on the Upside, and in fact, it was the mm. very first CD that uh, my parents got me with my big boom box that year for Christmas. And they, they could, I wanted that CD specifically and they couldn't find it anywhere in our hometown. And my dad had to call like, uh, he had a, he had a work buddy who had a friend whose wife worked at like a roses four towns over. They had it in stock. She put it on hold and my dad had to go and wow. get it. And we got, and cause I guess it's either it's sold out everywhere or just like out in the bumpkin lands Soundgarden, you know, it couldn't compete with Conway Twitty and the Statler brothers, right? So they they just didn't stock it or something. I don't know, but it took it was. I remember huh. it was an ordeal to get this CD, yeah. and I was very thankful for it. I listened to it. I wore it out. So, do you have a favorite track off that album? I really, I mean, I like yeah. the, the singles are great. Um, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, Blow up the outside and. Uh, Burden in my hand. I, I like both of those. Uh, pretty Noose, right out of the gate, really good. Yeah, like that one too. Great, great freaking song. I, I I love that album too. That's another album that has weird little interludes, kind of just mm -hmm. like stylistically. Like you have songs like Ty Cobb. Yes, and, I, that uh, came to mind. Too. Yeah, and uh, there there's a couple other ones. I I just can't remember the names of them off the top of my head. Uh, there's the, there's the second to last song. That was written by the bass player, and it's like two minutes long, and it just sounds kind of odd. 
but yet it still somehow fits in with the rest of the album. Like, I don't know how they do that with, you know, Soundgarden's just one of those bands that's able to do that. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. Great, great first CD for you, for your, for your new boombox, that's for sure. <laughs> it felt good, man. I felt like I got a win. I felt like a win. <laughs> um, but yeah, then, you know, 1996 is also responsible for some less popular stuff. Uh, I don't have a problem with Metallica's load, actually. If you ask me on a certain day, I might tell you I like it because if sometimes if I'm feeling bluesy, it's not bad. But it doesn't feel like a Metallica CD at all. Um, but that came no, out in 1996. And that was crushingly disappointing for me <laughs> as a kid because I was really into old Metallica at that mm-hmm. point. I was learning to play guitar. I uh, was learning songs like uh, Fade to Black and One and and stuff like that, like all the old 80s stuff. And it had been five years since uh, Metallica had released a new album, and Load was just it. What it didn't you hit it? It it doesn't sound like Metallica. If you just appreciate it, if you just listen to it on its own, not knowing it's them, then it's uh, I, it's probably fine. I haven't gotten, I have not gone back to it in a really long time. But um, uh, it was also the 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 first time, uh, or the, really the first instance, not the first instance, but it was. Really, when James Hetfield started going a little, a little over the top with the yeah, ooh, yeah, like it, it, when he really started to sound like a cartoon character, basically. Exactly, and then by and Reload, he, which I think has fuel on it, he was he was full meme. He was full meme at that point. Yes, it was ridiculous. Like he did not hold back. It was one of those things where I'll never forget. Uh, going to school the next day after that. Uh, I think albums are released are like on Tuesdays, Tuesday. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and co- going to school the next day, my, my friend Chad, I remember he got to school late that day for some reason, and everybody's kind of like down. Uh, you know, we're all like in junior high, just shooting the shit before class, and we're all like afraid to say anything about the new Metallica because we all know it's not very good. And we're we're just afraid to say it. Mm-hmm. And then Chad strolls in and and, <laughs> and and shouts on his way to class like load more like load of shit. Oh, Chad! Everybody everybody cracked up, and I'll never forget <laughs> that. I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. It's it's not good. I I shouldn't feel bad for not liking it. Nobody really likes it. So it's yeah, true. It was, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a decent. Uh, blues rock album. It's a bad Metallica album. It's too loose. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it, 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 blues rock is is exactly right because their '80s stuff and even the Black album has a certain like tightness to yeah. the playing. Like it's re- very. It's got a lot of precision, a lot of like uh, guitar harmonies and stuff like that. This is just like a guy. The load sounds like a bar band. Yes, like, exactly. You, just, you walk. You walk into uh, or you you know. You don't walk into a band and just hear Metallica or a bar and just hear Metallica, but it's it's got that same vibe where it's like you and your buds just like jamming. And maybe they, you know, from their perspective, I'm sure it was a lot of fun to make and they didn't feel like they needed to be so precise anymore. So I can understand why they went that direction. But at the same time, as a fan, it's like I I don't like this yeah subverted <laughs> expectations for sure yeah they, they got yeah. back death magnetic was was a, a nice uh, oh that's great yeah, yeah that was awesome 
but music, I mean, we, we can't stay on music all day, but uh, some other big albums, Fug- uh, the Fugees, The Score, um, yep. Weezer's was Pinkerton was, was huge, uh, Beck, Odelay. Yep, you tune turntables in my mommy's home or whatever. I that's forget. A, you're not. I'm getting it. You're not a huge Beck fan. <laughs> no, I do. I I just don't. That album's not that. I, it's okay. Right, right. Had some big uh, singles. Uh, Outcast, uh, Atlians, Atlanians. I didn't know Outcast at that point. It, that wasn't until like early 2000s for me. So. I'm I'm the same way. But in my 1996 uh, time travel month, I was very yeah. surprised one that this album came out in 1996 and two how good it was and how i didn't know about them for so long after i think i was just trapped in my my alternative rock bubble for too long as a kid right well i definitely was yeah yeah uh tupac all eyes on me that's a big deal because as we'll learn about in uh in our events section um tupac was actually murdered the same year so this was this was a big deal uh sublime sublime Hated Sublime. Still hate Sublime. That song, I, you can't escape it. You know the one. Sorry to be a downer, and I, I know I'm. I, some people are infuriated, but I just cannot stay. Or one of those bands, I just cannot freaking stand. I don't even have an opinion of them, like, band-wise. It's just that that song won't go away. I feel like it follows me everywhere yep. I go. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And then, uh, and then we, to the delight of uh, all middle school girls at the time, Spice Girls Spice. The Spice Girls, uh, they... they, they 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 arrived they, yeah they happened but it wasn't wannabe it was just spice yeah because i think wannabe was the next year next and year that was like the and, big and that okay. ruins all the sock hops for everyone and i'm just gonna go down the songs real quick bing bang boom do let's, it let's do because you loved me by celine dion we got always be my baby i'm right carrie all over these 90s podcasts Dude. like she just had like huge singles like one after another she crushed um we got give me one reason to stay here from uh, I was actually Tracy thinking, Chapman. when I typed this out I realized at that moment I was like you cannot type this <laughs> title without singing it cuz I Yeah, you can't <laughs> And I'll turn back back around. Uh we got Crossroads by Bone Thugs which is yes. I I love that song. Yes, uh, I still wish I knew the, any of the words. And I'm good. Yeah, I'm gonna miss everybody. That's all you gotta do. I'm gonna miss everybody. I'm gonna miss everybody. I'm gonna miss. You know, my girlfriend Pearl made a great point about Bone Thugs. They were. I don't know if they were the first. I don't know if they're the only. But they did goth hip hop. You're right. Like they they sang like such dark stuff, and it was totally different than like west coast like tupac dr dre they were doing like california love and stuff like that and east coast stuff was you know jay-z and whoever bone thugs were just different like they were creepy and weird and uh they say they sang about some like life and death like in, in a way that was different right so i always appreciated that song i appreciated the name because it's like bone colon thugs in harmony like i love that <laughs> just love it <laughs> Then you got uh, Come On and Ride It by the Quad City DJs. If that doesn't sound familiar, you'll know it as the train song. Yeah. Come on, ride the train. Ride it. Woo, woo. Woo, woo. Yeah. I've heard, I haven't heard that song 400,000 times. Then you got uh, Ironic by Alanis Morissette. Yeah. This uh, single got... was specifically huge in 96. The album was the year before, but yeah. the, the yeah. MTV took over yep yeah that was a dentist chair song for me uh speaking of dentists <laughs> we had uh novocaine for the soul nice by segue. eels and i re- i remember seeing that uh that video on mtv and being like what is this 
Um, same thing with Pepper by Butthole Surfers. That was that was another. <gasps> I love that strange. song. Yeah, that, I still really like that song. Yeah, um, one headlight by the Wallflowers. I kind of rolled my eyes at that song as a snotty teenager, but I kind of like that song now. Dude, I the same way. Yeah, and I think I at the time when I was a, a boy, I was becoming a snotty teenager, much like you. I think I thought it was a little too close to country, and my parents like country, and I wanted as far away from country as possible. <laughs> but now looking back, I'm like, that's a pretty chill song, actually. I kind of yeah, liked it. Yeah, they have a couple good songs, I think. And then you got on here, P- "Tripping on a Hole in the Paper Heart. Love that one. Uh, by Stone Temple Pilots. I mostly know that song from Guitar Hero 3. Oh. <laughs> I, I had kind of checked out of that band at that point. But uh, yeah, and then we have Local Age Bound for the Floor. Uh, that one doesn't really ring a bell for me i just saw it i love local h and uh bound oh, okay. for the floor is i think um their other uh, their their big song that isn't the one where they say high five and motherfucker a bunch it's the other <laughs> one but i love that the other one okay. yeah i love that band. it's just it's just three dudes and i think it's actually one dude and the other two dudes just are stand-ins every year that guy wants to put out an album um also, Local H has a great cover of Britney Spears' Toxic. I demand everyone to go listen to. It is amazing. Really? You wouldn't, Interesting. Okay. I know everyone's like, I'm not going to do that, but listen to me right now. Go do it. It's it's so good. <laughs> all right, movies. Let's let's sprint through some movies here. First of all, let's just ask, what what is, out of this list of great stuff you've posted here, yeah. what is your best? Like, if you're going to pick one, what's it going to be? Oh, God, dude. And I, Well, I have to add a little bit of verb, verbose to this because uh, in 1996, we realized we didn't have enough weekends in the month, uh, in, in the February a couple years ago when we did this, to get all the good movies in. There were so many we all wanted wow. to see. And you can see the list here. I mean, they're not all, like, crazy good, but you might have some nostalgia attached to these. I probably have to say my favorite and it seems like a weird, like kind of a lame response, but I mean, Happy Gilmore just holds up, dude. It's just a good. Oh, it's just, it's it's great. You got you got uh, Bob Barker. You got Vern Lundquist. Yeah. You got <laughs> you got Shooter McGavin. Shooter. It's 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 really funny. Uh, it's yeah. It's that that's a good. You know, it's funny you pick a comedy because if I were to pick my favorite from this list, it might be Kingpin. Kingpin's also that movie good. Is, that movie is really effing funny. Like to this day. Uh, Bill Murray just kills it. Woody Harrelson kills it in that movie. Mm. It's it's uh, what's his name? Uh, the other brother, the not Dennis. Uh, oh, the Quaid. Randy, Randy Quaid. Quaid. Yes, Randy Quaid. The yeah, crazy Quaid in that movie too. Yeah, yeah, crazy Quaid. There we go. Yeah, but uh, just also, to sprint through the rest of these. I was just gonna uh, say Fargo quick. would be like a close second. Yeah, Fargo. If if uh, if if we're going serious, then yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's still oh, kind of yeah. funny. Jerry Lundegaard, you know, and I, I have to do the Fargo thing, you know, and I'm contractually obligated to to talk like I'm from Minnesota now because I am from Minnesota. Got to get that hot dish, you know, and, uh, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, everybody, everybody's heard that a thousand times. It's so uh, good, though. <laughs> this might be the first time I heard that accent was watching Fargo, and I was like, they don't talk like that. But they do. Yeah. Well, they don't. It, they crank it up to eleven. <laughs> but right, uh, sure. it's true that it's true that the further north you go, the the stronger the accent. Like mm. you get up past uh, like Brainerd, uh, <laughs> up up to Duluth and Detroit Lakes and Alexandria and you know Cass Lake and all those areas. And oh my goodness, it is is like oh you got a new stove eh how are you gonna get that home with the, with your small little car and it's like Jesus like are you are you a cartoon like what the hell. <laughs> 
Ah, nice. All right, now you can sprint through the movies. We've I've sidelined you long All enough. Right. All right, we got we got Twister. Oh yeah, we got Scream. We got a Time to Kill, which is sneaky good. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. Uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Uh, I, I'm just gonna say this: it has the, maybe the best 20 minutes of any movie ever. Yes. <laughs> then after that, it's it's just okay. But yeah. Uh, uh, Independence Day. You brought that up earlier. Seeing that in the theater was an event. Yeah, uh, those those special effects were beyond belief. Man, another Randy Quaid movie. Like he it. was killing it in '96. That's right. <laughs> was it, was there a the National Lampoons saves... that year? That he might have had a yeah. triple. He might have had a Jim Carrey year. I think Vegas Vacation was probably '98. Uh, I think, but mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Primal Fear was a big deal because it was the, f- I, I think that was like Ed Norton's first big, uh, movie and he just killed it. Oh my like, God. That movie's so good. Yeah. That's really good. The Frighteners. I'm surprised you put that on there. Is that that Michael J. Fox? Movie? Yeah. I love that movie. No one talks about it. That's the yeah. only reason I put it on here was basically out of defiance of society forgetting how good of a movie that is. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is very good. Um, there's also Eraser, which is, uh. Maybe the last truly, it's not even that great. It's it's mm. just really entertaining. Uh, but uh, Arnold movie, yeah. It's, uh, and and of course the the great hackneyed uh, uh, line he gives at the end when he shoots the crocodile, your luggage. It's like, all right, it's that's just freaking. That's just like it's you're basically doing McBain at this point, Arnold. Like, come on. And then you got Train Spotting. Uh, you got Don't Be a Menace. Oh man, that movie's freaking funny. I watched that uh, way too young. I watched that yeah. this year, so I was like eleven watching that. I didn't get it, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> you you rewatched that then for for ninety six? Uh, that was one that we left off. Couldn't get enough buy in. Oh. I might go watch it myself yeah. later tonight, though. Actually. Oh wow! because uh, because I think that one holds up. I, I don't know if it holds up all that well, but it's it's it still gets me. It's really freaking funny. Uh, the cable guy. I I think I was experiencing Jim Carrey burnout at that mm-hmm. point. I remember seeing the previews for that and being like, "More Jim Carrey, really?" Like, uh, whatever. And he got paid but, uh, like a dump truck load of cash for that too. Yeah, it's a huge contract. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was the next big thing. So yeah. But then uh, last, you have a uh, Space Jam. I don't know your and. opinion on Space Jam. You might have been a little too old to be enamored, but uh, I was all in. I was getting the Happy Meal toys. I was like, Space Jam is the best. Um, I yeah, I was too old, but it is a very very entertaining movie. I mean, it's just just the iconic line of "I don't play defense" from <laughs> Bill Murray is just it's it works in so many scenarios. It's it's a great line. Uh, it's really funny. Um, yeah, and Jordan, it's always funny to see a guy like jordan who has a strange charisma about him do something like acting where he's very wooden and very stilted and (laughs) he was able to like channel himself in there like he he seems kind of like an arrogant too good for this guy the whole time which is who everyone thought jordan was anyway right so yeah it kind of worked and larry bird his little bicker matches with larry bird while golfing were also funny yeah yeah, for All sure. Right. All right, let's bring it down. Let's bring it down. We just got excited about Space Jam and movies. <laughs> now we got to talk about the world, yeah. world events, and they're always depressing. They're always depressing. You know, you know what? I'm gonna save. I'm gonna save uh, the good one. I'm gonna put one of the good ones near the bottom. Uh, mm. A bad one near the top, though. The Olympic Park bombing. 
And there's mm-hmm. a, a really good movie about this that I watched um, during my 1996 time travel. Uh, gosh, I wish I could remember what it was called, but I, there was a lot about that I didn't realize. Like the guy that they, they pecked for it um, basically ruined his life. He had nothing to do with it. He was actually trying to save people. It ended up being like yep. this serial bomber that they, they caught up two years later who had done the whole thing. But the movie focuses on the guy who was originally um, – uh, accused and it's really fascinating richard jewell, richard jewell that's right um and yeah there was just i mean maybe just being too young at the time not really understanding it i always thought that richard jewell was the one who did it like for years <laughs> after the fact and it wasn't until i yeah. was kind of old enough to look back to be like oh it was eric rudolph this other dude so even today yeah. the stigma around richard jewell still persists yeah man that that was scary to hear about because it's it happened in uh yeah olympic park and there's tons of people around and yeah something like that's not supposed to happen it's 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 freaking scary yeah uh i i when i think of the 90s yeah that we should mention too just a sports sports it up a bit uh, 96, the Olympics were in Atlanta, Georgia. And to me being 14 and being really into sports, uh, that was a big deal to me. So I watched as much as I could. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing Michael Johnson yeah. set the, set the record for, I think it was the 200 meters. Oh, uh, that was, that was really cool. But yeah, that Olympic park bombing, like everything like came to a halt. That was really awful yeah and i I do i want to call out the film because i think it is really good it's from 2019 it actually is called richard jewell it was produced by clint eastwood jonah hill leonardo dicaprio and a few other folks and it stars like sam rockwell kathy bates john ham olivia wilde like it's star studded but the guy who plays um richard jewell was a name i had not heard of his name is paul walter hauser and i think he kills it i think he's so good Mm. in that so um highly recommended little uh sort of based on a true story documentary about about that event um we already right talked we already talked about tupac being killed in the drive-by i at, when I, I was not so uh tapped into tupac's music at the time um and i guess all eyes on me had just come out so a lot of the a lot of the i think big hits that i remember him for came out post his death um at least based on my recollection but i do yeah. remember that being like such a massive deal like yeah, he was only 25. That's hard to believe. Like, that's, that's so crazy because he had such yeah. a big career, you know, before that. So he mm-hmm. he accomplished a lot in a short amount of time. So that was a big deal. Um, and also the other big, uh, I guess, true crime story to hit was the John John Benet Ramsey case. And both the Tupac and John Benet cases are uh, still unsolved um, to this day. So um, mm-hmm. that stinks. But that case is still. Still fascinating and in a lot of ways sad, but you're you're a big true crime guy, so I'm sure you've seen. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know about Dateline, but uh, <laughs> I know, mean that, so, that was everywhere though. I mean that made the news. It was. I mean just to show you like the I don't even I don't even know the the politically correct way to refer to this, but Jean Benet Ramsey made more headlines than Tupac when this yeah. happened. And, That's accurate, and it's it, it's not like weighing the the quality of either life. It's just that's the that was the way that the news media presented you things, and you just took what they gave you, right? So there was no options right. back then. It wasn't an a la carte uh, news you could, source. You, you could even say the Unabomber got more 
headlines than Tupac. Yes, but thankfully that bastard got caught in 1996. We got him. So I was kind of leaving that for some good news. Like they they got the Unabomber, who was a <laughs> who was a boogeyman to all of us for most of the early 90s. Like that that uh that wanted image of him is yeah. seared into my brain. Yeah, the sunglasses, yeah. the hoodie. The, did he have a full beard or just a mustache in that picture? I think it was just a mustache. I always thought it was Burt Reynolds laying low. <laughs> <laughs> he was disappointed how his career was going in the 90s. So yeah. Just decided to look like that. I mean, if you if you look at that uh, the Unabomber wanted photo, I mean, and you think about what I just said, it's like you'll never unsee it. It's crazy. <laughs> you're, I can't say you're wrong. <laughs> That's pretty um, Just one too many Smokey and the Bandit movies, damn it. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Get off my lawn. And then uh, Dolly the Sheep. We had our first clone. Got the sheep. I remember that being a really big deal. Like yeah. we, we had a whole class about that when that happened and explaining like... Just the very, very basics of like how that was possible, what they did, and I was that was really interesting. I I, for, I had forgotten about that until you put that on the sheet. Yeah, and it was actually buried. Like I had to kind of dig for stuff because I was like, "Is there anything good that happened in 1996?" And I was like, "Oh, they made they made another sheep. That's cool." But yeah, I remember that being a huge deal. And then there was all like the the moral and and ethical uh, ramifications that people were talking about. But hey, new sheep. Do you have anything on most, like, what were you doing for TV? I think most of the, my TV was probably just anything on MTV at this time. It's, yeah, anything on MTV, uh, tons and tons of sports, tons of Simpsons, tons of Beavis and Butthead, tons of Mystery Science Theater 3000, all the same stuff. You know, <laughs> I'm still watching a lot of that today, so nothing, like, topical for the for, for the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I was probably just wasting a lot of time watching Real World and Road Rules. and um, Oh, yeah, I will say I was watching those. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure when the San Francisco... I'm sure I've mentioned the San Francisco season on here before, but uh, yeah, that was really entertaining. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, 1996 had a real spike in books that were turned into motion pictures. And a lot, huh. a lot of big deals in here. So, you know, I, at the time I wasn't reading a lot of these, but I thought it was interesting because I was going through the list of best-selling novels. I was like, man, all of these turned into like something. So you had like A Game of Thrones came out in 1996. George, uh, George, uh, I always goof around and say George Robert Ramirez Martin. I don't know his RRs, <laughs> uh, but George R.R. R. Martin, Game of Thrones, Into the Wild by John Krakauer, which turned into a movie. Uh, the Notebook, we've all seen that. We've all cried at that. Man, that's a good one. Uh, by Nicholas Sparks, uh, Bridget Jones' Diary, which I haven't watched, but I know that that's became a movie. Fight Club, Chuck, uh, what is it, pa- Palahunowick? Nailed it. He wrote that in 1996. <laughs> I just imagine Harry Carey trying to say his name, like, Now up to bat is Chuck Palahunowick. <laughs> and then and then you hear Steve Stone in the background like Chuck Palinick. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's easy. Uh, and then Harry Carey will give it one more try and it's Palinick. It's like just, Harry, just stop. Stop. Uh, it was the slight pause before you jumped in to the Palinick part that got me where he was like, all right, it's my chance. And he's, he still missed it. Dude, Harry, Harry, I, that's another thing I was probably doing in 96 is watching a lot of WGN and mm. uh, Cubs baseball because it was on, Yeah, you know, during the day. And God, when I want to say interleague was going on at this point, I don't remember when that started exactly, but there was one moment I'll never forget with Harry Carey. Uh, the <laughs> the twins had a, had a, some, 
amazingly bad teams in the mid nineties, like bad, bad, like losing a hundred games. Uh, they had a first baseman at one point named Scott Stahoviak and the, <laughs> the, just the comedic timing of Harry Carey trying to pronounce this name <laughs> and the way he would try like three times always killed me. Cause it was like, ah, this is the first baseman, Scott Stavowak. <laughs> it's the Scott Stovowak. Oh, the pause gets me. <laughs> and you can you can just practically hear Steve Stone in the background like shaking his head, like, oh my god, dude. Come on, man. <sighs> but yeah. In that pause, I can like hear him thinking about it almost. Like, I can hear that's the, what's so the gears are turning. Oh, that's so good. I love Scott Stone. Uh, I'm very lucky to be a White Sox fan and be blessed with uh, mm. good, good commentating. Uh, and then The Green Mile by Stephen King was a, another book that came out. So 96 was ripe with books that were just fit for motion pictures. It's a good year for that. I have not read a single one of those. I have read uh, the Fight Club book and um, it's just like reading the movie. Just watch the movie. Oh, I, I tried reading Fight Club like sometime in the mid 2000s when I was like, you know, just in my 20s and mm-hmm. trying to, you know, just read popular stuff and stuff like that. And I, it just didn't really I, I, I have a faint memory of getting to like the 25 page mark and just kind of being like, I, I don't know about this. Yeah. But yeah. I don't it, think I would have been able to finish reading it if it wasn't for the movie. I think the movie helped me visualize a lot of the, yeah. a lot of the nonsense, but yeah. anyway, uh, and if you're, if you're a Grisham head out there and you're like, what was Grisham doing guys? You didn't even cover uh, runaway jury was this year. We just didn't write it down. And mm. then toys, uh, neither of us would have wanted one of these, but I do remember the whirlwind around the tickle me Elmo and how like people were yep. knocking each other down at Walmart's just to tickle this little bastard. And they yeah. <laughs> wanted it so bad. That was the first instance for me personally of um, uh, hearing about Black Friday mm-hmm. being like yes. a big thing. And uh, pe- people going batshit crazy at stores and like elbowing each other in the face and stuff like that. Just trying to get this stupid doll. That was really the first time I, I heard of something like that. And I, I remember actually seeing one at Target around that time and just thinking like, really? Like that's all the stupid thing does is just kind of giggle. Yeah. That's why people are going insane. That's it. That's it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I had a, uh, I had a nephew he was real small around that time, like two or three, and uh, we were trying to find one for him. And we finally got one, and I remember being like, "Oh, that's what it is. just just kind of giggles a little bit. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> that sucks, sucks for those kids. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll sprint through sports real quick. Now to Alex not, with oh, sports, a whole lot to say. Uh, Brett Favre Barf. leads the Packers to a, a win. I would argue you you put Favre leads Packers. Desmond Desmond Howard was the guy that led. The Packers to a win over the New England Patriots. That's that fair. Because That's he was fair. Super Bowl MVP. He had the kick return touchdown. Yeah. Uh, we also had uh, uh, the loathsome Florida Gators. Old that ball was, coach, though. Yeah, old bald guy. That was peak Spurrier. Peak visor, yeah. peak Spurrier. That was back when I hated uh, Spurrier, yeah. but he his arc, he kind of had like a... He had oh, like an NWO great. arc for me. Where like <laughs> He was a villain for most so, of the time, and then he came around. I love him. He's funny. Like, he is a funny dude. Uh, and uh, baseball, we had the Yankees break their drought for the World Series. They beat Atlanta. 
Um, you put a funny note here. Uh, they won the first two games of that series in a combined score of 16 to 1. And then they promptly lost four straight games to Dude, lose the series. I know. Come on, Atlanta. And What's going on? I loved that Braves team, too. I was dialed in on them. That was yeah. disappointing. Yeah. They, they, uh, yeah, they, they were, uh, and... they were, yep, that was Chipper Jones, that was Andrew Jones, I think, in center field, too, mm-hmm. so, yeah, they were talented, uh, the NBA, you had the Bulls just destroying everybody, uh, beating the Sonics in the finals, that was their 72-game, uh, win season, and, uh, yeah, the 96 NBA draft. Legendary, right? Which, I just came across yeah, this. Yeah, Arguably the best draft in NBA history because you've got like just Kobe Bryant, Ray Allen, Allen Iverson, Steve Nash. Man. I think Dirk Nowitzki is in that draft too. Is he really? Okay, nice. Let me let me let me actually confirm that. And well, you know, I'll, I'll read here because is... Steve Nash in the news recently for uh, being fired. Being fired? Oh, <laughs> lucky lucky guy! I know, right? He Get doesn't away have from to coach team. the Nets anymore. Ugh. Get away from that disaster. No doubt. Um, no, I am wrong. There is no Dirk Nowitzki, but there is a uh, Smacky Walker and Lorenzen Wright. Oh, I remember. So there we, you go. <laughs> we called him Smacky Walker, and I think uh, we had a kid that just wanted to collect Smacky Walker cards. So that does ring a bell. Uh, Ray Allen, interestingly, uh, you know, he, he played high school in South Carolina, and there is a uh, basketball tournament near where I grew up, uh, about thirty miles away, at this uh, place where they bring in like all kinds of like big time basketball. Um, programs and schools like you know even international teams and they have a tournament and Ray Allen was there mm. one year and I remember going and being like who the hell is this dude because he was an obvi- obvious standout uh, man among yeah. boys and uh, it was yeah. it's cool to to know that I got to see Ray Allen before he was uh, a superstar so that was kind of wow, cool wow that's crazy yeah Yep, we also had Tiger Woods turning pro, and he promptly like wiped the floor with everybody, uh, winning a couple tournaments. Yeah, man. Um, and then the United States won the most gold medals in the Summer Olympics in Atlanta that year, and you had the infamous scene with, which I remember watching live at my friend Dan's house, uh, Carrie Strug. Uh, it was on a Sunday afternoon, if I remember correctly, and she landed on her leg, and like the noise she made when she landed was like, like it sent a chill because she's like, ah! and it was. <laughs> but she held it together. But yeah, she she basically broke her leg doing that. She messed it up somehow. But yeah, it's a legendary moment. Yes, that was a big deal at school the next day. It was kind of cool to see kids talk about yeah. the next day and just kind of idolizing her for how strong she was. Because uh, I don't know, that was uh, no one That's knew anything about the sport, right? No one knew anything about. That's the thing with yeah. the, the Olympics, especially when you're a kid. You're like, first of all, I just learned about this sport. Then I learned that there's this <laughs> athlete who's a freaking amazing at it. And then this athlete broke their foot and still finished. I'm in love with all of this. I have no, like for two weeks, you're like, I love gymnastics. Yeah. All right. So we did all that. Now it's time for gaming. That's what we're all here for, uh, I assume. Um, so in 1996, and my my co-host on Polykill Blink, he'll attest to this. We had long conversations about this on that podcast, how 1996 is a very weird year for gaming. It is the quintessential transition year for gaming. Mm-hmm. We're moving away from pixels and we're moving straight into polygons and there's not a lot of... Not a lot of in-between, really. And so things like the PC are strong. Uh, oh, yeah. Because you got like Quake and you know Duke Nukem 3D uh, was a big deal. Uh, Diablo is is massive. Civilization's coming out with Civilization 2. That one's all good. 
But then things like the N64 are coming out, and while the the games that came out for it were good, you know, we got Pilot Wings 64. We talked to Dan Hess on this podcast. I mean, that's that's solid. That's you right. like Pilot Wings. I love Wave Race and Pilot Wings. Super Mario 64 is great. Those were like it. Those are the only three games that came out <laughs> in 1996. So it's a very yeah, top-heavy yeah. year. Everything else that's not everything else was kind of bad. That wasn't like I, I remember. I remember playing Star Wars, that Star Wars game, Shadows of the Empire, and being really excited about it. And that game gets off to such an awesome start with, uh, you know, you're, you're in the speeders, you're, you're uh, you know, I, I think that in the, that's the beginning of that game where you circle around the yeah. AT-ATs. I think it's right. Um, and, and then after that, like, you're, you're, it does a third person over the shoulder thing, and there's like all this empty space. And there's like one enemy every two minutes, and it's just like this is kind of disappointing. <laughs> like everything <laughs> looks like really bland, and the textures are you know the same like you know bland snow square. Every it just it I thought it was a big letdown. Like it, it, the beginning of the game was unbelievably cool, and then after that it's like well now I'm just some dude running around in like this big empty room. Like this, this just ain't working for me. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a major, major hit or miss factor when it came to N64. Yeah, and and literally in 1996, like those three games I listed were like the only three that came out. They didn't get any yeah. more games until the next year, so they kind of like lo- like kind of baited you in because you're like, oh, these three games aren't too bad, and then you waited, yeah. and then what you got after that was like you said, extremely hit or miss. Um, what about the Super Nintendo that year? I mean, there are a few good games on that list. Ah, a few. Uh, <laughs> Mario, only, only Super Mario RPG, only <laughs> Donkey Kong Country 3, only Mega Man X3, Kirby Superstar. Wow. Huge me. Those are some of the best titles of all time. <laughs> do, you, do you like DK I will say, say Mega Man X. What's that? Do you like the third Donkey Kong quite a bit? I, I never It never landed with not, me as much. Not at the time, no. I was basically done with... <laughs> I, I had been Donkey Kong out at that point. Mm. I like, I was like, okay, I get what this game is about. I, I don't need more of it. Um, I kind of, I'm, I'm, a, I'm disappointed in myself for saying this, but I kind of felt the same way about Mega Man X3 too. Mm. Uh, that game just didn't hit nearly as well with me as X2 or X. Um, but Kirby Superstar was cool. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario RPG was cool. Yeah, that's great. So yeah. Yeah, X3 will hit your wallet these days. Actually, all these games will murder your wallet. That's Yeah, and especially finding one with a good-looking label, because for some reason, towards the end of the Super Nintendo's lifespan, their their cartridge labels, like, they went cheap. Like, they oh, like didn't... they went the way of the Genesis, where it, like, misses that gloss that keeps it from... Yeah, yeah, they're, they're papery, yeah. so they're, like, worn down. Yeah, it's weird. That You know, that's a good point. Until you mentioned that, I was... I can kind of think in I'm I can telepathically look into my game room right now and I'm like, yeah, my Super Mario RPG label is a little weird. Huh. I have both uh Mega Man X3 and Final Fight 3. They're both Capcom published games and they both have the exact same crappy labels that are like worn and beat up and yeah. Weird. They just look like crap. <laughs> Man, we need to we need to get our guest from earlier to do a, a special video on those uh those labels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is that would be the most niche I know. subject. He did yellow tabs. Cartridge labels. He did yellow yeah. tabs. I think he could pull it off. I guess that's true. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, if anybody can do it, it could be that. Um, but, uh, we also 
We also had PlayStation, of course, in full swing. And PlayStation was just wiping the floor with everybody at this point with Resident Evil, Twisted Metal 2, Tomb Raider, Tekken 2, and of course, Parappa the Rapper. Mm, Parappa the Rapper. I played uh, the demo of that about a billion times, just the first rap, and was like, man, this is so good. Like, not good enough for me to buy it, but damn, do I love this demo. <laughs> it's good enough to play this demo 400,000 times. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and he also had the Saturn hanging in there. Nights into Dreams, still a really fun game to play, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had Panzer Dragoon 2's Vi, which goes for a rough estimate, about $80 billion <laughs> on, on eBay. Um, it's absurdly expensive but it is such a good game uh all the panzer dragoons are awesome yeah, um, it's thankfully yeah. not as pricey as uh, as saga but uh, it's uh the, yeah. the dragoons yeah. man they just rake in the yeah. cash yep it's a shame it's a shame but that's basically it for gaming so it's it was a very top heavy year i mean of course we're only going to list the good ones on this podcast but i'm telling you right now folks there's nothing below what we said like we we listed out not only the best <laughs> games but like basically all of them. 1996 yeah. was a really strange year. Yeah, very odd. Um, let's move on to emails real quick here. We we have a few from some of you that were nice enough to email us some of your memories of mm-hmm. some of these past 90s 90s ass episodes. Basically, we got one from Jason that says back in the day. Says howdy drunk. I saw you on Twitter asking for emails and questions. So let's do this. My name is Jay. Well, actually, your name is Jason. <laughs> I just gave that away. I probably shouldn't have said Jason. That's okay. Sorry, Jason. Uh, sorry, I mean, sorry, Jay. Uh, and my question is about the Dana Carvey show. Do you remember your reaction to the first time you saw the first episode? I was watching with my mom when Dana's Bill Clinton came on. LOL. Have a good day, y'all. And yes, I do. And I remember uh, being very, very, very excited for the Dana Carvey show. It was on ABC I don't remember what day of the week it was, but I loved every, anything to do with Dana Carvey. It was my jam. It's still my jam. I love that guy. And the first skit that comes on is Dana Carvey as Bill Clinton. And what, what they decided to do was have Bill Clinton undo his his like dress shirt and reveal a series of breasts and start like breastfeeding babies. <laughs> What? I'm not making this up. What? It's the most bizarre thing ever. Uh, I, 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 I don't remember laughing at that, but I remember thinking, like, what the? What is this? Why is this? Yeah, is, is it like a, a play on like the president's always like shaking hands and kissing babies, but he's just going to feed them? I guess. And plus, it, it was leaning into like, the, you know, I guess the the running gag with Bill Clinton back then, before Monica Lewinsky was like Bill Clinton's fat. Right, yeah. So, huh. they 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 might have been going on that too. Uh, I did learn something about that uh, exact sketch, though. Um, apparently, the idea was originally pitched by none other than Louis C.K. Aha. He he <laughs> used to be a writer for Conan O'Brien back when that first show first launched in '93, and he was convinced, along with like Robert Smigel and a bunch of other dudes to start working on the Dana Carvey show. And that was the sketch they came. It's like, we need to get everybody's attention. We need to come up with something so crazy and weird, but still funny. And that's what, that was his idea. So (laughs) that's what it was. Uh, Yeah. Very, very, uh, very odd piece of trivia. Very odd 
sketch. It somehow makes more sense knowing he was responsible for it, though. Like, <laughs> that, that somehow is like, oh, right. That does okay. sound like something he'd, yeah, that does sound like <laughs> something he'd come up with, yeah. For sure, yeah. All right, well, we have another email here. Um, tapping into tapping into some stuff I'm familiar with, which is Regis and Kathy Lee. So Brian emails us, Regis and Kathy Lee memories. Hello, drunk friends. Live with Regis and Kathy Lee was Can't Miss Television for my mom in the 1990s. I also watched a lot of it during summer breaks because it was on at the same time that I typically ate breakfast in the morning. And I'm going to stop right there and say, Brian, you and I had the exact same summer mornings with our moms because I watched a crap ton of this in the exact same way. He goes on to say, uh, the bits from the show most memorable to me were when Regis talked about football and when they had professional wrestlers as guests on the show. I remember (laughs) one year in which Regis picked my favorite team, the Philadelphia Eagles, then he says, sorry, Alex, for their recent defeat of the Vikings, as his up-and-coming team of the year. They did go to the playoffs and beat the Lions in the first round, but then lost badly to the Cowboys in the second round. Oh, well, still a good pick, Regis. I also remember when Rey Mysterio was a guest and a tag team match was set. Regis and Mysterio versus Kathy Lee and a mystery partner. They had a ring set up in the studio and everything. Kathy Lee's partner ended up being the Giant, a.k.a. Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show, Captain Insano, etc., a short match ensued, and I believe Regis and Mysterio won by disqualification when the Giant threw Mysterio over the top rope. For a 90s wrestling fan, this was a huge crossover media event. Affirmation, baby. Thank you both for hours and hours of YouTube and podcast content. Keep up the good work, and happy holidays, Brian. And happy Halloween to you, Brian. Yeah. Uh, happy Halloween, Brian. <laughs> that I don't remember that. That would probably have been after 1996, I would assume. But... Um, and I, can, I don't know. I don't remember this at all. But this is this is the kind of thing you'd get on Regis and Kathy Lee. You didn't know what you're going to get. Were you going to get Carrot Top that yeah. morning? Was Carrot Top going to open up a box and <laughs> show you a bunch of weird stuff, or were you going to get Rey Mysterio wrestling the friggin' giant, the two most opposite <laughs> body types in in the the wrestling at the time, going head to head with Regis and Kathy Lee? You never knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. <laughs> I didn't see that either, but um, I do remember remember the Ultimate Warrior coming on as a guest when he was WWF champion, and him coming on and talking like a normal person was very very strange. <laughs> and they were tre- they were asking him, you know, like typical interview questions, and I'm like, what is this? This is the Ultimate Warrior. He's supposed to be a maniac. He's supposed to run around and smash stuff and whatever. And that wasn't happening. That's <laughs> I yeah. was very confused. I don't know if I ever heard the Ultimate Warrior actually speak. I just thought like he wasn't good on the mic and that's why they're like just scream or don't don't talk. <laughs> uh yeah, wrestling and Regis and Kathy Lee. That's that's funny you, that that email comes in here because that's <laughs> they they did not shy away from wrestling. It was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> '90s ass names on new people. Writes Max. Uh, he says hello, Alex and Trav. Uh, I hope you're having a great day on the po- and podcast so far. The '90s series is really great so far, and it's always a pleasure listening to you too. Thanks. The Drunk Fred podcast is pretty much always running on my drives to daycare all right speaking of daycare you're not ready for this segue my my daughter's first name for real is excel rose that's spelled like a x e l l e and dash rose oh. axel rose oh since i know you love 90s ass names so much this brings me to ask if you had to give a 90s ass famous people name to a kid or like really insist on giving that name as a middle name or whatever what would you pick 
And by the way, uh, Man- Manon Rayum is, uh, I, I just winged that, uh, the, her last name is pronounced Rayom, but with a silent H, so it's Menon Rayom. Oh, okay. That makes sense, because it's, it's French. Gotcha. Yeah. That helps us out. That's, that's called back. Menon Rayom is, uh, uh, was the first uh, women goaltender, women, the first woman to play in oh, the NHL. Oh, in the NHL, basically. that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Um, and then he says, uh, Max says, anyway, keep up the great content, Max Lemuel. Oh, man. So, uh Yeah. 90s ass famous people named to a kid. Oh, that's a good question. There's so many, like, when I think of the 90s, there's a few names that come to mind uh, that I think were popularized by the 90s. I got one. I was just going to say, like, the TV show Friends was responsible for, like, a ton of Chandlers and Phoebes. (laughs) And I think it would be funny to name, like, a kid Chandler Phoebe. Like with the hyphen, just give them the full. That, that oh my god, I don't think you're gonna get more '90s than that. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, what if you just name your kid Bone Thugs? Bone Thugs the kid, or right, bone, bone, bone thug. thug the kid. Like you have to have the colon in there; it doesn't count somehow. Yeah, yeah. Bone Thugs Harmony Smith. Axel <laughs> <laughs> Rose is actually well done, though. That sounds nice. That's Axel. That that that's pretty good. Um, since you brought it up, uh, one thing I've been uh, I've been meaning to to not point out, but just bring attention to the, the, the friends. Were you, were you a friends guy? No, I've never really seen a full episode, but like uh, I know who the characters are because you yeah. can't not. <laughs> I never liked friends. And by the way, is there a worse name in television history for a TV show than friends? It's like the most generic ass. Like, Oh, what do we call this? I don't know. There's a bunch of friends. Just, Call call it friends. That is, it's it's. Like, really? I mean, Cheers is not too far from that, but yeah, Cheers at least has a you know, it, it, Cheers is what you say. That's fair. At, at a bar with drinks, and there, at least there's something. This is just friends. It's just friends. It's it reminds me of the TV show Girls. It's like <laughs> it's like really, you can't do a better name than that. Come on, I, not even trying. I always thought ER was kind of lame too. I was like, yeah, tell me more. What's going on? That, yeah, yeah. Well, it's an emergency room, and uh, yeah, there's there's that one guy from Top Gun and and George Clooney. Would it have basically. been worse if they called the show Emergency Room, or is <laughs> ER worse? Better? I can't. I don't know. You... I think ER is better because then it be, it becomes uh, its own. You stop thinking of it as initials, mm-hmm. and you start thinking of it as like a sound, like ER. <laughs> right. Whereas. Uh, Whereas emergency room has too many syllables. It, it, it's kind of like one of those things like, how would the world be different if it were called emergency room? Would we <laughs> all be different to this day? It would be canceled? Yeah, probably. It, yeah. Probably. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any other good 90s names. I think I think a good Phoebe Chandler or Chandler Phoebe, just a full hyphenated first name on a kid. I think that would 90s. I, I, 90s I don't think up. you're getting any more aggressively 90s than that, for sure. That is aggressive. That is, that is big that is big time. All right. Our next email here comes from uh, Blake. It's uh, called Big Miss. Uh-oh. Sounds like we're getting called out here. He says, hey, drunk friends. Clearly, you were living up to your podcast namesake because how else did you miss the following list of games in your 1994th episode? Mega Man X, Final Fantasy three. Parenthetical, six. Illusion of Gaia. Demon's Crest, which I know is Alex's favorite game. Sparksters. <laughs> Sparkster, not Sparksters. Only one. Uh, R-Type 3. And he says, and of course, the game of the year, Bassin's Black Bass with Hank Parker. Get it together, gentlemen. <laughs> say, that, 
Say that ten times fast. I couldn't even say it one time once. <laughs> ba- ba- Bassin's, Bassin's Black Bass. I didn't even know that was a game, to be honest with you. Uh, get it together, gentlemen. Blake. And I, I you know, of that list, uh, I'm... I do enjoy Demon's Crest slightly more than you do. I was, I do think it's a bit disappointing. And I liked Illusion of Gaia and Mega Man X. I haven't played any of the others, though. Final Fantasy III, I bet's good. People talk about it. I think Mega Man X was technically 93. I think that's probably why it wasn't mentioned. Oh, in that's right. Yeah, that's right, Blake. We, we got to look at those North American yeah. release dates, Blake. Take that. Take it. Uh, uh. But uh, yeah, no. Sometimes when it comes to these episodes, I'm I'm finding out quickly that uh, we're running out of we're running short on time on some of these. So it's just like, all right, we got to make sure we mention these mm-hmm. uh, and done. But yeah, pretty much. But um, Sparkster, like I I don't. That's one of those games I never saw for rent, never saw it for sale, didn't even know it existed until way later. Uh, same with R Type Three. Uh, so I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Well, just like we do with our list of games, we're going to have to move on to our next email. All right. We got 1996 from Burger Champ. And he says, I would be remiss if I let 1996 slip by without mentioning the single most important musical event of that year. My tiny, terrible high school band named Gossamer was one of a handful of bands to play a tooth and nail, quote unquote, local showcase headlined by none other than P.O.D. Whoa. I remember them being nice, and I'm pretty sure we went swimming late late that night. Uh, the thing I remember most about that day was my bassist and I convincing two girls that his uncle was rich because he was the model for the handicaps. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, let me try reading that again. And I... I my bassist and I convincing two girls that his uncle was rich because he was the model for the handicap sign and gets a commission for every time it's every time it's used. Oh, Good times had by all. That is that is the most hilarious made up oh. story. Oh my god. That is good. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Burger Champ, thank you so much for that. That was, that was, that was that's great. That, that's great stuff. That made, Thanks, Burger Champ. That made my eyes water. Oh, man. All right, coming up, uh, Alex, we got an anonymous email here. You might you might know what's going on here. This went over my head. This comes from Anonymous. It's called Damn Trombones. I do want to say this email came uh, in late September. This might help. Um, it says, Dear Drunk Friend... Notice singular there, interestingly. Uh, one of your team members needs to stop pay, uh, playing that damn trombone <laughs> game or at least stop making trombone sounds around the house. I'm trying to watch Dahmer and it's ruining the atmosphere. Sincerely, <laughs> Anonymous. Gosh dang, man. Is that? Do you know anything about that? No, no nothing whatsoever. No, uh, trombone champ is probably the hardest I've ever laughed playing a video game. I was in tears laughing at that game oh man is uh, man and to anonymous's credit uh she she's a champ for putting up for me uh putting up with me uh being really obnoxious for the next few days <laughs> singing like old gray mare but only going <laughs> Just to myself, to nobody in particular. Man, uh, I, th- yeah. I think in some way that makes her the trombone champ if she's able to put up with your trombone. That could possibly be, yes. Man. Um, 
yeah, uh, I, that that's a good point by you. Man. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's that's all true. I confess to all of it. Uh, I was really annoying for a few days because that game made me laugh so damn much. Uh, <laughs> I like I like the phrasing of one of your team members. Yeah, yeah, because we're we're a massive got, team here. You know, we got. Uh, yeah. I, I do. I, I like you know those podcasts where they're able to yell at someone offset to look something up for them. I always want to do that sometimes. Like, hey, Scotty, will you look this up for us? It's like Scotty's not real. He's just a member of the team. All we have is Craig. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Craig. Who uh, is he still in here? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's still in here. Great. Uh, a lot of people listening to this will have no idea about Craig, and I, I intend to leave it that way. But I think that does it okay. for 1996. I think we wrapped it up. I think we did it. We did it. We've done it. We've done it. I, I agree. I, I don't think we left anything out. There's nothing anybody could possibly complain about, except for the fact that we forgot to mention ECW when talking about wrestling. <laughs> e- ECW was a really big deal back then, but it was still kind of a regional thing, so a lot of people weren't exposed to ECW. That's so right. I'll just throw that out there. We know ECW existed, but it was still regional at the time. I, we weren't able to watch it until way after the fact. Man, so, ten so d- take that. Ten dudes just backspaced emails after that. I appreciate you bringing that up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, well, we're giving you a nice skirt of the episode. We missed a couple of weeks there, so, uh, you know, uh, hopefully this was good for you. Uh, but that's going to be it. That was another Drunk Friend podcast. Please head on over for more of our podcast. Uh, you can find on the polymedianetwork.com. Uh, we just released a new Tales of the Lesser Medium. It's on Bionic Commando. It's super funny. Check it out. We got Polykills over there. Uh, Pam of Cannot Be Tamed has joined the network along with Petey. They have Point and Drink Adventure. That's a really fun podcast you can check out both on your podcast aggregator of choice or on YouTube. There's Indie Quest. There's Uncle Doug's DVD bin. And if you like Goosebumps books, we just started a podcast called We Got Goosebumps. So check all that out. Pod, uh, the, uh, the, the podcast network is bumping. And if you'd like to reach out to us directly as these fine folks did that we just read, you can always send an email to the show at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And if you're not interested in sending an email or a snarky comment about Trombone Champ, that's not a big deal. Just give us a rating and review on a podcast app of your choice, and that'll help us out big time. Big time. You can find us all on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Trap Plays Games. Alex, of course, he's a SNES drunk. And you could find our guest from earlier, uh, Yahel from uh, Wrestling with Gaming. You can find him at Wrestles Gaming. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a mistake in the notes here that's cracking. I know. I know. I got, I got you. Whoops. No, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> sorry, listeners. Uh, the track you hear, <laughs> the track you can hear right now is composed by our friend Coolor and is called Electric Starbonds. And you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. And a shout out to Josh Leslie for our thirst quenching logo. Yeah. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube. And thank you for listening. That's right, and we hope you have a great rest of your day.